Hey, welcome to RUF. My name is Brian Thomas. I'm the RUF campus minister. Uh, if this is your first time with us, welcome. Hey, it's good to see you. I'd love to meet you. Uh, we have spent this semester looking at the life of this guy named Abraham, um, looking at his story. Uh, and we're doing this for a few reasons. I haven't seen you guys in a couple weeks, so reminders are always good, right? Abraham is one of the most significant characters in the Bible. So I believe if you understand him, you understand his story, you're going to understand the Bible better, you're going to understand Jesus better, and I think you're going to even see that tonight. Um, another thing is, <clears throat> I want you to see that the, the Bible is one story uh, from beginning to end. It's one grand story of redemption, of God's redeeming a lost people, rescuing broken people. Uh, and then lastly, no matter where you go in the Bible, there's always just one hero at the end of the day. Uh, and so I hope you see that in Abraham's story, because it's easy to take people like Abraham and kind of elevate them. They do some cool stuff, but there's really only one hero, uh, and that's God. And so we're in Genesis 22, um, and I just want to say, if some of you, uh, you're here and you love Jesus and you're like, hey man, I just want to grow spiritually, this is a great place for you, uh, welcome, Um uh, RUF is a great place for you. If you're here and you don't really know uh, what you think about spiritual things or where you're at spiritually, that's okay. Like, this is a judgment-free zone. Uh, I'm really glad you're here. This is a great place to explore the truth claims of Christianity and to ask questions uh, and to figure things out. And so anyway, glad you're here. Whoever you are, no matter what background you come from, welcome. So Genesis 22 now, Genesis 22 is one of those passages, it's really overwhelming because it's just such a big deal. Like, if I had to come up with a top 10 list of passages, this would be in it. Top 10, Genesis 22 is going to be in it. Uh, just so important. And at the same time, we're covering it in one night. Like, one of my favorite pastors, preachers, he did four sermons on this passage. Like, he did four. Like, he got four shots at this, and we're going to do it in like 30 minutes. Uh, and so it's kind of overwhelming. Uh, and also you think, this is what I think when I'm like approaching this passage, I think things like this, don't suck. Or I think things like this, don't blow it. Uh, don't, <laughs> this is what I thought earlier, don't screw it up. And so anyway, God's good either way. And, uh, and he's going to be with us tonight. So Genesis 22, we're just going to look at verses 1 through 14. You've got a copy of the passage in front of you. Uh, you can follow along with me. Uh, so let's start. Genesis 22, verse 1. <clears throat> After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. And then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I, I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. 
And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram, caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Um, it's really bizarre. This is little. If this is like your first time ever hearing a Bible passage, you are like, "What in the world is going on?" Uh, and so, if we don't answer all your questions tonight, which I'm sure I want because you have great questions, really, please come talk to me because this is one of those passages that it's really challenging. It's really bizarre. And and there's no way we can answer everything, cover everything. I've been feeling that for a week. And so if you feel it too, please come talk to me. Brandon knows everything. You ask him tons of questions. Um, seriously, ask someone, talk to someone. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll get started. Uh, let's do that. Uh, God, you're so good to us. Thank you uh, for great passages uh, like this uh, that, that teach us, that show us so much uh, about you, about your nature, about us, about um, our Savior Jesus. Uh, about how you work. Lord, I pray that we come in here, we are, we are in a million places, we're a million miles away, we've got tons of stuff going on, we don't know what's going on, um, distracted, bored, frustrated, whatever. Uh, we just come in here with so much stuff on our minds and hearts, and I just pray that you would help us not miss it tonight, uh, not miss this passage, not miss the truth that it proclaims. Uh, I pray, help us, be our teacher uh, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So, trusting God is hard. Mm. Anyone who tells you trusting God is not hard are lying. They're lying to you or they're asleep. <laughs> so they don't really think about trusting God. Uh, or they're not doing it right. Uh, because it is hard. Like it is challenging. You know, no matter where you are, I mean, you can be, does he exist? Is he good? You know, and Christians, if you, if you consider yourself a Christian, um, Christians experience how hard it is to trust God on, on the regular. I mean, on a regular basis. Uh, because at some point in life, trusting God and our own desires do not go in the same direction. Do they not? No, sometimes they're going in opposite directions. Uh, and obedience uh, will feel like death. Like, obeying God at some point in your life will not be enjoyable. 
I think you've probably figured it out by now if I had to guess. Uh, it will No, it will really be awful. Following God will feel like death sometimes. Um, three days after 9-11, you know the terrorist attacks, right? Uh, three days after 9-11 in 2001, there was a meeting of Congress where, and by the way, this is not a political sermon. Don't try to make any uh, assumptions politically about me and where I stand on anything. Okay, just let me go and get that out there. I know what kind of season we're in now. It's just a story. No need to interpret. Uh, three days after 9-11 terrorist attacks in 2011, 2001, there was a meeting of Congress. That was like, whoa, 2001. Um, and basically there was this meeting. It was like a special meeting called, and, and uh, Congress is voting to give the president unrestrained power, so to speak, uh, to use whatever force necessary to fight back. Right, and that actually the thing that they were voting on is still in effect today. Some of it they used to fight ISIS. Just FYI, I know some of y'all would love to know that kind of stuff. Um, anyway, they're voting. It's called the AUMF. It's a long thing, so don't worry about it. Um, there was tons of pressure on the U.S. at this time to demonstrate two things: strength and unity, like how strong they are, how unified we are. And so, when the vote came that day to pass the bill, there was. 420 yes votes and one no vote. There was one vote against it. A lady named Barbara Lee. Barbara Lee, a congresswoman out of California, was the only no vote. And she explained kind of why. She thought it gave overly broad powers to the president. Sort of like, you know, handing him a, a blank check to attack anyone at any point in time who was thought to be connected to those attacks on 9-11. And in the following days, she received death threats, literally. Uh, her office was on gridlock, like literally the phone never stopped ringing. Uh, she was called a traitor for voting no. Uh, and this is what Barbara said. It's really interesting. She said, I agonized over the vote, but the events of 9-11 forced me to rely on three things. This is what she said. My moral compass, my conscience, and my God for direction. And so she got to this point where she was like, I cannot vote yes on this. It would be going against my conscience where I'm at spiritually. Uh, and doing this was not easy for her. Uh, and I'm not saying she was right or wrong for doing it. What The point I'm trying to make is at some point in your life, you will have to make a decision, uh, decisions that are extremely painful, that are going to cost you something. Um, not going to be popular decisions, right? And for those of you who would identify as a Christian, there will come a time when trusting God will be the hardest thing to do. Because saying yes to Him means you're going to be saying no to something else. You're going to be saying no to something. Uh, something you want, probably. Like if it's hard, it's because you want that other thing really bad. Uh, following Him at some point will mean you leave something behind. Uh, it, it could be anything. Like we have to leave things behind often to follow Him. It could be a grudge. It could be... 
some sort of sin pattern in our life. It could be anything. You just have to. It could be literal place and people. Like you're gonna have to leave something behind. Um, trusting God is hard. It's real hard. Uh, and there's no clearer picture than that than right here in Genesis 22. And that's what we're gonna kind of spend some time looking at. Uh, I want. To, we're gonna ask three questions. Um. One is why test? We need to talk about that. Why sacrifice? And then why care? Like, why should you care about Genesis 22, right? All right, so let's think about why test. Uh, for those of you that have been with this series for a while, you'll remember it's been 25 years. God made a promise in Genesis 12 to Abraham, like, you're going to have a child, a son, and that son is going to be a blessing to the world, right? Through you, through your offspring, all of the nations will be blessed. And he kept his promise. He gave Abraham this son. And so it was one thing to trust the Lord while waiting for the promise, but now Abraham is asked to sacrifice his son. We'll talk about that. And this will be the greatest test in Abraham's life ever. Uh, In fact, it's exactly what God is doing. I mean, look at verse 1. God tested Abraham. Uh, Verse 1 is for you. It's the audience. Abraham had no idea he's being tested. He just hears a command from the Lord, right? And as he responds in one way or another. Uh, verse 1 is for you to kind of let you know what's going on. And so why test? Because uh, it, it doesn't, I mean, I've, I've had people ask me this before. I, I can remember even thinking that at some point. Like it doesn't seem like a very cool thing, like a very loving thing for God to test people, Right? Um, you know, but it's clear that's what God is doing. It's, actually, it's really clear. God tests his people. Uh, and that's what he's doing with Abraham here. And, and so I think it's important for us to understand uh, there's a couple ways you can think about test, testing. Um, one way we typically, and this is kind of the way we typically think about test, uh, we typically think about tests like the SAT, Right? or the T's test, or the MCAT, or we could go on and on and on. There's so many different standardized tests where you have to prove yourself. Like you have to prove yourself to prove that you should be accepted uh, and get into whatever it is this test is for, right? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? You've all been there. You've all taken them. You're taking them now, probably. Uh, And I believe many of us walk through life like this, like, uh, you know, that we have to prove ourselves to God, Uh, that we should, like, you know, that we should get in with him. We should get into heaven. We should be in a relationship with him. Um, and, and when we, we hold up our record, we kind of hold up our score, spiritually speaking, right? Um, but there's another way to think about tests, to think about a test, and that's the way that it's, uh, it's, t- it's highlighted here. Instead of test proving something, which is what, you know, the SAT and the MCAT and those things do, Proving something, you can think about test as revealing something. It reveals something. Uh, Blake Hartshorn, you in the house? Blake, anywhere? My man back there? Blake Hartshorn could tell you about this, right? Part of his major involves testing water. He can tell you, I've seen, I've seen some of the stuff, right? Testing water. And what do those tests do? Those tests reveal the quality of the water. They don't really prove it's water. They reveal the quality 
of the water. Like, the kind of testing, it reveals what is not seen. Like, if I look at those water tests, I can't tell what the pH level is. No, the test will reveal that to us. Now, some of you, I'm sure you've seen some water and you don't need to test it. You can look at it and you can tell there's something in there, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, like my kids after they get out of the bathtub. I don't need a test for that. Uh, especially when there's like a big turd floating around in there. You know? Uh, it's really unfortunate. No, testing will, it will reveal, like it reveals things. It reveals the quality it reveals the quality of something. It re- Another way to think about it is the kind of test we got here reveals what is unseen. Like a lot of times a test will reveal something that you could not have seen otherwise. Uh, and that's the kind of testing that's going on here. The word test in verse 1 is literally a word used throughout the Bible, especially the Old Testament, uh, for showing you what's in your heart. Like it reveals something about your heart that was unseen. No one else could see his faith, necessarily. right? The test is all about revealing the quality and the genuineness of Abraham's faith. And the question you, you get to, like the audience is on the edge of the seat, will he obey? Will Abraham obey? One scholar, this guy named Alan Ross, scholar on Genesis, says that this is a test of obedience. To a clear commandment of the Lord, those who believe in the Lord claim to obey God's word, but what? But to what extent will they obey? And that's the question that this passage forces us to wrestle with right out the gate. To what extent will we obey God's word? Um, when God commands us to make some costly sacrifice to do something... You know, to, that seems really unreasonable. That seems impossible. Will you obey? Will I obey? Um, you can even think about coming to college. Uh, coming to college, for a lot of people, especially if you're a Christian coming out of high school, really test your faith. Now, is that a direct test from the Lord? I don't know. But it's a test because it's going to reveal some stuff, is it not? It's going to reveal real fast the genuineness of your faith, the quality of your faith the absence of your faith, right? It is. Just ask anybody that's getting through their first, second, third year, fourth year, especially upperclassmen can look back on that freshman year and be like, geez, what was I thinking, you know? Uh, And so anyway, coming to college, test your faith. All right, so now let's ask the next question. Why sacrifice? Why sacrifice? I can't say everything there is to say about sacrifice. I'm going to try to hit what I think is most important Uh, God tests Abraham, and what God asks him to do is shocking. You guys are not shocked. You should be. Um, And so I want to at least address this. Uh, If you hand the Bible to someone that has never opened it, never heard of it, and you tell them, yeah, it's it's the book of God, you know, and they go to Genesis 22 and they read this story, they're immediately going to be like, well, time out. Talk to me about this. I don't get it. They're going to be shocked. It's going to be weird. It's going to be bizarre. God tells Abraham to sacrifice his son. And so to Abraham, this would have been sudden. This would have been surprising. It would have been unpredictable. I mean, look at verse 2. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, 
and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. A burnt offering was the most common type of sacrifice. Everybody was doing them, right? Most common type of sacrifice for God's people. A person would usually take a bird or sheep. I know it's sad, but they would. Um, they would take a bird or sheep. If you were really wealthy, you'd roll out like the bull. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, here's, it gets weird. It gets weird. You'd cut it up like you'd kill it. You would kill it, you would cut it up, and you would burn the entire animal on an altar. And that is just what God told Abraham to do to Isaac, his son. Now, you, some of you are really shocked now. You thought burnt offering like some incense, it's going to be sweet. No, this is bad. This is bad news. Um, a person, and so uh, it typically expressed a couple ideas. Uh, one, uh, if I can remember, was like, it was the, the worshiper was like saying, it was like the entirety of their being was involved. Like, I'm giving myself entirely to you. And then the other idea that was conveyed in a burnt offering was, this sacrifice is for my sins. It's to cover my sins, right? So that's what's going on. Child sacrifice was common in cultures around Abraham. In fact, archaeologists are continuing to discover ancient writings that describe child sacrifices as an act of worship. And even though child sacrifice was common, this is totally out of character for God. Abraham is freaked out. Like, I don't understand what's going on. Uh, so, what, so what is God up to? That's kind of the question. You're like, this doesn't, this doesn't sound right. This is out of character for him. And so you have to ask yourself, what is he up to? Um, and here's my take, and a lot of smarter people would say this than me. Uh, I don't think it was ever something God intended Abraham to carry out completely, right? Because uh, you remember, what was the first thing that we're told? It's a test. It was a test. Um, but Abraham didn't know any of that. All he knows, he had a command from God, to, and, and he had to either respond in obedience or not. Um, why sacrifice Isaac, though? Like, why not some other test? You ever think about that? Like, there could have been a hundred different ways he could have tested Abraham. And here's what I think. I think God is showing us something. Like, you know, he's, he's making a point. Uh, and one guy sums it up this way. He says, if anyone is going to be a true worshiper of the God of the Bible, it will involve the willingness to sacrifice whatever is dearest and most treasured to you. And so Isaac was his most treasured possession. There was nothing Abraham loved more than him. I mean, we're talking he all his hope Everything. I mean, he meant everything to Abraham. Uh, and, and this shouldn't be surprising because Jesus tells us to do the same kind of things. All throughout the Gospels, Jesus will say things about, you know, it's kind of the all or nothing nature of following me. He will say, you're going to have to forsake your family at some point. You're going to have to leave whatever it is you love most behind if you want to follow me. All or nothing nature of Christianity. Jesus talked about that. So it, it's not really surprising. Isaac would have meant everything to Abraham. So his response to God in verse 3 ought to be mind-blowing 
to you. Look at verse 3. He tells him to go offer his son as a burnt offering. And then verse 3, So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he set out. He obeyed. Like, when, when, like there was no delay. There was no questioning. You don't see any of that stuff. You don't, you, just instant obedience. I don't obey instantly. Does anybody do that? Like, I, I don't. I can't think of times I really obey instantly. I mean, that's unbelievable. Uh, and so here's a question for you to think about. When tested, what will God find in you? How will you respond? And this, those little tests are going to creep up all kinds of ways. Will it be true faith that leads to obedience? Like, will you obey in some way? When things seem unreasonable or impossible, will you follow? Is the question he's forcing you to answer and wrestle with inside of you. When, I mean, like, when's the last time following God cost you something? Like, it really cost you. Like, you can think of it now. Because you know it. Because it was that hard. If you can't think of something that fast, if you can't think of the last time following God cost you, like, that's really hard for you. I mean, you really need to, you really need to pause. And you need to examine your heart. Because following God is hard. And it costs. What, what does it cost you? And it could be all kinds of things. It could be you've got to change your friend group. Because all they want to do is smoke pot. You know what I'm saying? Like, they get hammered every weekend. Uh, it could be that boyfriend, because all he wants to do is have sex with you. And you're not down with that. You, you know, I could go on and on and on. But you really love him. Maybe it'll work out. Right? You, you know how you wrestle with those things? Um, what, what is it costing you? Uh, what is it costing you? Time? Are you giving up time? Money? When's the last time you give up money? When's the last time you said you're sorry to someone? Right? Hey, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I overreacted. I'm a terrible friend. And not like the kind we do where we're like, I'm such a terrible friend. <laughs> you know, not I mean ones where you really are broken over it because you know you blew it and you feel terrible about it and you love them. Right? Is it costing you to follow God? Um, is it costing you? Uh, I know a guy who... I, I, I've talked to a, a number of people. I feel like this story is super consistent, especially at Western, as I talk with students. Um, and so it's just like this, and it applies to so many different people I've talked to over the years. But I hear this story described. You get these people, they're, they're starting to take their faith seriously, and they're like, man, I'm really serious about my faith. And I, I, I want to follow Jesus, but on a sunny day, I just want to smoke pot. I just want to be out there on the rock and the sunshine and nature and just get so high. Brian, it's so hard to not smoke pot because they spend a ton of their life smoking pot. I mean, I was like, okay. They're honest with me. I appreciate honest people, by the way. We can keep it real. Um, I, know, I know tons of people like that, right? Uh, it's costing them. Like, following God is hard because they're trying to do the right thing, right? Another great story, uh, a friend of mine back in the day, Wrote me a check for a hundred bucks. I'm full of stories tonight. Is this cool? Uh, a friend of mine writes me a check for a hundred bucks. He tells me, 
Brian, next time I look at pornography, cash the check. Because he, he's a Christian. He's like, Jesus is, I, I, my sexuality, I want to submit my sexuality to Jesus' lordship. You know, like I want to honor him with all of my life. And I hate looking at pornography because I know it's messed up. And so I was like, all right, sure. I cashed the check. I cashed the check. I think I got some sweet shoes. I don't remember. He stopped writing me checks, but we kept talking about pornography. Uh, I was like, bro, you brought me a check. I'm going to cash the check. I don't even think we made it three days. I mean, it was like, and all the guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, I mean, maybe it's three days. He called me. He's like, yeah, um, you, can, you can have the money. <laughs> and I like, hang up the phone. Anyway, is your faith leading to costly obedience? All right? So that's sacrifice. Let's talk about why I care. Like, why in the world should you care about Genesis 22? Um, Let's just look at the rest of the passage because I think it tells you. I think it answers that question. Uh, Look at verse 5. When they get to the base of the mountain... Listen to this. You can, read, you can follow along with me. They get to the base of the mountain, verse 5. Then Abraham said to his young men, you remember he brought those two dudes with him, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you again. Abraham, this is what's amazing. I, I didn't even catch that until this. I, I've read this a ton of times. I didn't even catch it until this week. Um, Abraham thought whatever, he had no idea what was about to happen. But he thought, whatever's about to happen, the boy will come back in some way. In Hebrews, we learn that, that he even believed, if I had to sacrifice him, God's going to raise him from the dead. Like he said, no matter what happens on that mountain, my son is going to come back with me. That's what he's thinking. Because he tells the guys, we will be back. And so there's just kind of this assuming, like God's going to provide in some way. Now look at verses 7 to 8. This is good stuff. And Isaac said to his father, this is like they're on their way up, about to go up the mountain, right? Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. God will provide. So they went both of them, so they went both of them together. Abraham believed God would provide, and God did provide. Look at verses 12 and 13. Um, Abraham's got the knife in his hand. Literally, it's like he's just about to do it, right? And God stops him. Look at verse 12. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. God provides a substitute, like something to take Isaac's place. And it's important to notice, like, God didn't say there's no need for, a sac- like, a sacrifice. Yeah, you did it. You, tr- you test, you pass, right? Woo! Uh, great job. High five. No, Abraham still sacrificed something that day to cover his sins. 
But God provided a substitute, this ram, to be sacrificed instead of Isaac. Provided a ram uh, in Isaac's place. Genesis 22 is so important for you and me because it prepares us for a greater son. It prepares us for a greater sacrifice. It prepares us for a greater substitute. Like Genesis 22 is one of those passages that just clearly points us forward to Jesus who would take our place one day. In fact, this he would take this very place where they are right now is where they will build the temple. It is also the very place where Jesus will be crucified. Like God is going to provide a substitute, right? He's going to provide a greater son one day in this very place to take your to take your place, to take my place. God was able to spare Isaac and us, because one day he would not spare his own son. Right here. Uh, I told you that story about Barbara Lee. Barbara Lee, the congresswoman. Still serving today. Uh, Just days after she voted no, the only vote, the lone no vote, she received 60,000 letters. Approximately, just in a few days. 60,000 letters full of harsh criticism, uh, attacking her character, calling her all kinds of things. Uh, But when asked about it, she was interviewed about this. Got a lot of public attention for a little bit. When asked about all of that, she said, you know, those things didn't matter. Like, they didn't really bother me that much. And here's why. Because the day she voted, shortly after she voted... She got a call from her dad who said he was proud of her. She said, my dad called me that day and said he was proud of me, and that was all I needed to hear. And the rest of it just didn't bother me that much. Trusting God is, is so hard. Um, and there will be a thousand times it feels so unreasonable, it feels impossible But if you have trusted in Jesus, like God's greatest provision ever, right? One day you will stand before God and He will say, I am proud of you. I'm proud of you. And and that's all you're going to need to hear. You won't remember anything else but that. He will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome home. Because he loves you no matter what. If you've trusted in Jesus. Have you? And that's a question you need to wrestle with. And if you have, is, does, it, does your faith cost you anything? Does it cost you anything to follow him? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much uh, for taking our place. We don't deserve it at all, but you generously give to us so much. Uh, I pray that your great love for us would, would sink into our bones. It would become real to us. Help us wrestle with that. Help us wrestle with the truth of this passage. I pray that we would see you, our great Savior. Pray in your name. Amen.